Welcome to the Chad Taylor Radio Show. Here's Chad Taylor. So for me, this is a big moment. One of my favorite bands of all time. Anybody that knows me knows that Def Leppard is in my top five. And to have Joe Elliott on the show today is pretty awesome. How are you, Joe? I'm good, Chad. Thank you very much. I'm in, uh, I'm in great form. I'm, I'm happy uh, the Def Leppard tour wraps up on this weekend, uh, the last show of the year. Uh, the Down and Out album just came out like uh, a week or so ago, and uh, things are looking great. We got a chance to see Def Leppard most recently when you guys played with Journey here in Des Moines, and the show, as always, was fantastic. Yeah, the um, that was a big tour for us, you know. It was um, hopefully the, the start of something that we can carry on doing, you know, that we'd kind of step into these stadium situations or into big arenas. Playing live is a, is a very integral part of what we do these days. It's much more important than, than anything else at the moment in time, you know. And it's why we all wanted to be in a band in the first place is to play in front of an audience, you know, not for sitting around for years in a studio. Right. It was just a byproduct of being in a band. But, you know, when you're a kid and you see somebody on TV or you go to your first concert and you get the bug, that's what gives you the bug. It's not the, uh, it's not the, 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 the thought of playing in, uh, you know, in a studio environment for the rest of your life. So um, you've, got, you've got these situations where you can play in front of a load of people and it's, you know, you can be playing these songs for years but they still have an energy to it because the audience is different all the time. Well, and every time we see you guys, there's a new energy to the band. You know what I mean? Every time I see you guys, there's a different energy and it almost has a different feel for the songs. That's what I love. You grow. You know, you grow as a musician. You grow as a performer. You you live with uh, with the fact that you've got this legacy and you can either embrace it or you can fight against it. You know, and I know plenty of musicians that actually hate playing their hit. And then the ones that I, you know, that I really admire, the ones that play them, which is, you know, McCartney, and the Stones and, you know, even Pete Townsend, who I'm sure has his issues with some of the songs, but not in front of 20, 30, 40,000 people, he doesn't, you know, because they're celebrating something that he might have achieved 40 years ago, but he's still, you know, it makes sense when you play that three-minute, my generation or whatever, in front of 40,000 people. It kind of makes sense much more than he would say ever in a rehearsal room. Um, because all of a sudden you get the kind of rewind factor of like, wow, yeah, I remember when I wrote this and that's what I was hoping I'd achieve. And the fact that it lasted more than five years is a big thing, you know, and we're kind of moving into that territory. So I think you just, you grow with your, with your, with your catalog and your legacy. Def Leppard has sold over 100 million albums. Two of the albums have sold Diamond, which is 10 million copies. Yeah, there are only right. a handful of people, Joe, in rock history that can claim that. So, yeah, so I keep getting told, you know, it's nothing that we really follow up on much, but, yeah, I think it's us and Zeppelin and the Beatles and Van Halen, Fleetwood Mac and that kind of thing, you know, and um, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to, to say that you're in that, that little league of bands, you know. But no, I mean, unless I'm doing an interview, I never really think about it, but then you put me on the spot like that and go, yeah, what a remarkable thing that we've achieved. <laughs> we don't consider this a victory lap, you know. We consider this as just an ongoing situation, you know. There's more new music to come, there's more touring to come. What we've achieved has been amazing. Because we achieved what we did with those Diamond Records, it's given us the opportunity to keep playing them in front of, of an audience, you know, tour after tour after tour, all over the world, not just in, say, one country. So it is a, it's a, it's a, you're blessed. It's a fantastic feeling to, to know that you've achieved that and that you can 
kind of rely on it to be part of your life it's, to me it's not a burden you know it's as i've often said about songwriting i can never understand the ones that don't want to play the hits right if you can't handle the responsibility of writing what a hit then please don't write a hit you know? <laughs> like, like, give them to me I'll yes do it for you, you know <laughs> def leppard finally in the rock and roll hall of fame too so congratulations i wanted to tell you that last time i saw you but i didn't get a chance i was so happy both from being a fan from the business side being in the entertainment business this is long overdue, and I'm so happy for you and the guys. Yeah, it, you know, it, I'll be honest. You know, it's great now. I'm in with 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 2020 hindsight and all that kind of thing. It's a it's, it was a wonderful night. It really was. And when you think about, it, there's only 330 artists in the Hall of Fame out of what probably a billion artists that's ever been since instruments were invented. Um, it's a great club to be in, along with the Stones and the Beatles and Elvis and, you know, all that kind of Led Zeppelin, etc., etc. It's a wonderful thing to be in, but it was nothing that we ever aspired to be in, because throughout the years, you know, once we were made aware by people like yourself maybe telling me, 20, it would have been 2005 the first time that I got wind of the fact that we were eligible. And then by 2007 and 2008, I've got people going, you know, you've never been nominated in the three years you've been eligible. And I go, well, okay. So we're not, we've not been, you know, we've not been acknowledged. And then people keep asking, and it's like somebody prodding you in the chest. And you're like, well, I don't care. They don't want us, obviously, otherwise we'd have been nominated. And it's this invisible committee that want the likes of the credible, what they consider credible bands compared to you to Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, the Beatles, etc. Yeah, I was thinking they don't want Bon Jovi or Motley Crue or Def Leppard or any of those kind of bands. They don't so want I bands with hit records it. and bands yeah, that sell a hundred million copies. But, yeah, if we you were, know, if it's we like commercially successful, right. credibility unsuccessful as, as far as they're concerned. Yeah, music and, that um, people actually listen to. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly what right. And you see, this is why we just shunned it and shoved it to one side. And then I think it was about five years ago or four years ago, somebody actually said to me, "You do realize that there's a fan vote now." I'm like, no, actually, I didn't because I haven't paid any attention to it for, I can't remember how long. And they said, yeah, no, there's a fan vote. And it's been, uh, and, it, and continues to be, whoever wins the most votes has not mostly, or I think, always been nominated. They've never right. not been nominated. So as soon as we, you know, we heard that we were going to be uh, put into this fan vote, and then all of a sudden we just, we just killed it. You know, I think we were the most voted for band of all time. So we had a feeling then that we were probably going to get, you know, nominated. You know, well, we were nominated. We were going to actually be accepted and, and, and inducted, you know, and that's how it turned out to be. So, you know, once all that ball started rolling, all of a sudden we were like, going, oh, this is great, because it's actually the people that put us where we are in the first place that have put us in the Hall of Fame, not some invisible committee. Right. And that made us feel a lot more at home with the whole and comfortable with it, you know. And then, of course, you start moving on to the, the other side of it is like, okay, so we need to be inducted. Who do we get? You know, and um, it just kind of made sense that we'd ask Brian, who's been a friend of ours for for many, many years. And I'm talking, of course, of Brian May from Queen, who, you know, as kids, we grew up listening to Queen. Huge influence on Def Leppard anyway. But when we got to know him, because he, it turns out that come 1983, he became a huge fan of Def Leppard. And played on stage with us at the LA Forum in 83 and you know me and Brian became very close friends after that and you know we've been tied for 30 odd years and 
I asked him if he'd do it, and he was like, of course, you know. And, you know, that we managed to drag people, the likes of Ian Hunter and Phil Manzanera up on stage to do all the young dudes for the kind of, well, it wasn't really the all-star jam, but um, it was a nice way to finish the night off doing what I considered to be the all-time best song of all, you know, ever written. <laughs> so yeah. it was a nice way to close the circle, you know. So, yeah, we yes. were very... Uh, we had a great night, and then we had a lovely party afterwards with Stevie Nicks, and all sorts of people turned up for that. And it was like, this is a good way to go to bed. I like this. this is a good night. <laughs> Been touring nonstop with Def Leppard. You got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination. And in between that, you found time to record an album with your side project, Down and Outs. And I believe it's been like five years since you did the last record. This is the third Down and Outs album. It's the first one that, that we've written. Or I, I, I wrote all the songs, uh, save for one cover. It started off as a, as a kind of a Mop Hoople, not re- we weren't as a tribute band, it was, we, we were we were thrown together, um, like the line out the song goes, like rats in a cage, because um, I was asked by Mop the Hoople to put a band together to open for them on the last night of their reunion run 10 years ago. So I chose a bunch of songs that I thought was appropriate, and it was going to just be a one-off performance, you know. And then we um, we we ended up recording an album, basically through kind of pressure from fans to do it, you know. And I had some pretty decent success at American Radio with England Rocks and Overnight Angels. So then all of a sudden, it's like we've got this legitimate other band, you know. It's like, okay, so we may have to make a second album now. And um, we did that in 2014 with the further adventures of. And we, we briefly talked about the third album being covers, but not more. We'd done that to death. So let's do something else. And the only thing that survived that initial conversation was White Punks on Dope by The Tubes, which is the last track on the album. After that, we said, you know what? I think we should maybe write an album that's in the spirit of those first two records, but let's write one, you know. Um, But because everybody's got their own big motherships and sometimes there's going to be too much overlapping uh, from ideas-wise, I think, you know, the guys out of Choir Boys if they came up with kind of raunchy rock and roll riffs, they kind of need them for themselves. So I said, leave it to me, I'll do it, because I just fancied sitting down at the piano and writing a ton of songs, and that's exactly what I did. And that's the distinctive difference between the Down and Outs and Def Leppard, is they're both rock bands, they're both rock and roll bands, if you like, but the Down and Outs is piano-driven rock um, in the same vein as uh, early... Elton John or Leon Russell or Humble Pie, Mott the Hoople Queen, David Bowie, it's that side of stuff. It's a little more leaning that way than, say, Leopard is. You know, Leopard is never going to sit down at a writing session around a piano. So that's what it gives it the distinction. And I couldn't see the point of being in two bands that sound exactly the same. So it gave it a, it gave it an, a twist and an edge from my perspective. And people may recognize my voice, but the backing track although it comes from a, the, the rock and roll feel of music, it's very different to what Def Leppard does. So it's it's a joy to be able to scratch those two itches at different times in my life, you know. Well, here's the thing. I got a chance to listen to the entire album while I was scheduling music here at the radio station, and there's a track that I played like three times in a row, Boys Don't Cry. Yeah, you see, there's t- that was the last track written on the album. I found that the album was a little unbalanced. Um, it didn't have. It was just like one rocker short, you know. And I just picked up a guitar, and it was the only song other than "This Is How We Roll," the title track that I wrote on a guitar. The rest of them were written with guitar in mind. There was always going to be two or three guitarists playing on it, um, but they were written 
like, say, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting by Elton John is essentially a guitar song, but it's obviously Elton John, so there's going to be piano involved. Um, but yeah, Boys Don't, Don't Cry is pretty much a... I think, I think I was scratching my inner Pete Townsend when I threw that one together. Um, and, you know, he, he came in as part of the theme of this album quite a lot. I wanted it to have a thread. I wanted it to have a... Um, it's not a concept record, but I wanted it to have a thread the same way that, like, uh, Tommy or Quadrophena had threads, and that when you put it on, you could listen to it as a whole. And so I even was thinking for the first time in decades how it would sit on vinyl so that the split came you know a certain spot you know and you end side one with the the big kind of um heart rendering ballad of last man standing and then side two kicks off with the crazy vaudeville instrumental called music box you know so it would make more sense if there was a mini break before you had those two songs together you lose that factor on cd uh, or listen to it online but you know it, it's just the way that the album is and it's a very 70s record so to have that head headspace to do that and especially with vinyl now pretty much out selling cds anyway right it seems retro is cool again you know and with bands like Greta Van Fleet and the Struts who are scratching their inner Zeppelin and Queens as well it all seems to have just fallen into place now is the plan to tour with this band in 2020 and do some shows or I'd love to, I'll be honest with you, but it's very unlikely that we're going to get to do many. Um, 2020 being what it is, well, life being what it is. The Choir Boys, Vixen, who the bass player plays with, and the Wayward Sons, who the drummer plays with, and Def Leppard, of course, very, very busy. And trying to get those four different bands on time off at all exactly the same time is finding difficult to do as was making the album that's why the album as you said at the top of the interview was the best part of five years in the making because I could only snag these guys for a few days here and a few days there and we would record what we can and then we'd have to mothball the whole thing and then you know two years you know sorry two months three months four months later I would pull maybe two or three of them into my studio in Dublin um, and we'd record for three or four days and get a bit more done you know and he worked out quite well doing it that way we, the songs were all done, so there was no issue there. The only way to do was play them. Um, and it, it just meant that I could live with them a little longer than normal. And if there was anything that I wasn't happy with, we could readdress that down the road, where I'm sure other artists have felt the same way, but they've had to maybe kind of just suck that one up because by the time they've thought of it, it's already in the shops. <laughs> so the, the fact that it did take a little longer than normal actually benefited the record, and it's so... Uh, so much of 70s record it would have made no difference really whether it came out last year or it came out next year it's not really going to change the, the way that the album is but the timing of the record coming now is it, for me is great because it's more important that anybody hears the album than we worry about whether we tour or not even if we did the tour we'd what play maybe 10 12 shows that's you know five or six hundred cities around the world that don't get us ears right but if we make videos we get the songs on radio they are there and they're there for the rest of eternity so, you know should anybody choose to want to listen to them so i think it's more important that we made a great record than it is about worrying whether we ever get to play it live but don't get me wrong we really do want to do some live shows at some stage. I do want to point out the record is available, all digital platforms, all streaming services. Again, it's by his side project, Down and Outs. This is how we roll is the name of the new album. And Joe, you've been so generous with your time. I'm looking at the clock. I know I only got you for a minute or two, but I have to embarrass my wife before I let you off because you're absolutely
absolutely one of her favorite frontmen. The band is one of her all-time favorites. It's always a toss-up between Def Leppard and Journey for her. Always. Must have been a hell of a tour for last year. <laughs> oh, my God. She was just coming unglued in her seat. It was a night of hits. I married this really conservative, nice Des Moines girl like Carl, Iowa nice, and she married the guy that was in the rock and roll business. But I always said to her, if you were going to do a private dance for me, what would be the soundtrack? How could I get you to maybe do something private for just me? And she said, if you put on Pour Some Sugar on me, it's going to happen. So I just had to lay that out. I know she's going to be embarrassed. Every time I look over, I'm saying, what's the stripper song? She says, Pour Some Sugar on me. So Yeah, it, it has been an anthem for the uh, for the dancing lady <laughs> for uh, a few decades. These, and long may it last. You know? I can't tell you again what a big fan I am. I just, I love the band. I love you. And I'm so glad the band is doing well. You're doing well as a solo artist and with this side project. And just continue to give us this great music and keep that band on the road, Joe. We will do our utmost to do exactly what you just said. That's, that's the plan. Happy holidays to you and your family and safe travels on the road. You too, bud. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Chad Taylor Radio. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. 